It's time for the Mean Streets Podcast, presented by Full Moon Barbecue. For the only podcast with an inside look at Crimson Tide basketball all season long, turn to the Mean Streets. Britton Johnson and William Galloway take you from tip to buzzer with complete coverage of the Alabama Crimson Tide men's basketball team. Here's your host, William Galloway. Week four of the Mean Streets podcast presented by Full Moon Barbecue. I'm joined, as always, by Britton Johnson. Britton, good evening and excited about this podcast. We've got a lot to catch up on after a big week last week in Orlando. Yeah, a lot to catch up on. A big week. Uh, three games for us, one game for the football team. Uh, pretty good week of Tide Sports and, and hopefully a great week for all of you celebrating Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was very exciting. I got a lot of rest. I was able to move. Um, and so I am in my my new residence, which is exciting, uh, recording my podcast, this podcast from the podcast studio, um, which is which is pretty cool. Um, but later we'll be joined by Mark Jennings, the former minority owner of the Birmingham Iron, as well as many other things uh, via the Full Moon Barbecue Hotline. But before we get to Mark, we want to talk about a couple topics and we want to remind everybody here on the Mean Streets podcast that we have merchandise now, hats, shirts, pullovers, vest, golf shirt for men and women. Um, all those items, they're available on bandwagonsports.com. You click on bandwagonsports.com, you go to Team Shop, and you click on Mean Streets, and you can buy our merchandise thanks to our friends at Bandwagon Sports in Homewood. Go check out their website. That's bandwagonsports.com. David Knight was great to print us some great merchandise, and you should not miss out. Britton, I've already bought mine. I don't know if you've bought yours, um, but really excited about that. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. I don't know if I've used my per diem money on that yet, but it's It'll be spent uh, and it'll be well worth it. It will be. And uh, as we kind of get into week four of the Mean Streets podcast now, let's jump into hoops first. We've got plenty to talk about with Mark. We've got plenty to talk about in terms of hot takes, football, the Iron Bowl. We'll get to our mailbag, this week's mailbag question. Um, But jumping into last week, a crazy tournament in Orlando, a, a tough loss against a good Iona team, a win over Drake. And then, of course, um, capped it off in a great fashion in that win over Miami. You hit the three. You were hitting the karate kid after uh, Saturday's Iron Bowl. So, Britton, just kind of walk us through last week in Orlando and the two-and-one performance. Yeah, obviously not the ideal start. You want to um, get on the winner side of that bracket. So, it really, really stunk losing that game. Uh, although I is a great team, not taking anything away from what they did. Um, Rupertino is a fantastic coach. I mean, this his ability even, you know, now to just be able to draw plays. And Evie, he is one of a kind of a great coach. Um, so, again, not taking anything away from Iona. Uh, obviously, I don't think we played our best game. And I think we had a, a really great meeting post game that really turned the tide of the rest of the tournament. And, and um, you know, Drake is a very, very good basketball team. They, uh, they returned pretty much everybody from a team team that was an 11 seed at large bid and so uh we needed also to be a very challenging game and uh i thought we really stepped up in late game made some really big plays to seal the win and then miami it's always great to play another uh power five team and really get to test yourself in the non-conference and um to be able to do that in this situation uh was really really cool first half you know i don't think we really hit our stride and we weren't playing our best uh but I think we started the game like one of 11 from three and 
our last 19 three-point attempts, I think we made 15 of them. So that's a little bit of a, a switch up. I, I don't know if I've, outside of maybe the LSU game last year on the road, I don't know if I've ever been a part of a, a streak like that. Uh, so we got red hot from three, really started defending well. Um, J.D. Davidson had his best game of the year. Um, it was just distributing it incredibly, incredibly well. I think he finished with 13, 10, and six. Um, so we were really just lighting it up in that last game. And that really, that really gives us a lot of confidence going into this next week and, and the big challenge that's ahead. Uh, obviously, for me, it was really cool to be able to get into the last game and make a three. It's always cool to just kind of have, you know, all your hard work uh, be shown off in some way, shape, or form. And, uh, you know, I always appreciate the way that my teammates, uh, whether it's me, Tyler, Adam, Delaney, Jakey, too, any of us, um, it's really cool to have us be celebrated in some sense by our teammates and uh, teammates and be appreciated by them and um, and by all the people that I'm close with to just reach out. Uh, it meant a lot, so I'm really appreciative for that. And then, obviously, the real highlight was the Karate Kid post that took over social media over the weekend. Um, started, well, Alabama fans know it's been a season-long thing for, for Mechie and for JMO. And, um, I mean, just an all-time great pose celebration. And Auburn tried to mock it, and uh, it's nothing like getting to mock it back a little bit. And yeah, so that didn't work too that well kinda, for them. No, it really does. You know, you, know, you don't poke the sleeping bear. So, uh, but really great ending to the weekend and, and glad to be back for a few days. And we're about to take off to Seattle tomorrow. So excited for that as well. So y'all are, y'all are headed out tomorrow for Seattle, you said? We are, we are. We'd probably get lag if we had it out Friday. Yeah, I was going to say, you want to get out there. Absolutely. Uh, That's going to be a good one. We'll talk about that here in a second. But, Britton, a couple more things I want to harp on, things that you mentioned. Um, Take us in as much as you can to that post-game meeting you talked about versus Iona. Um, Tell me about that, and then we'll jump into Miami and your shot and get into a little bit more detail about that. You know, without getting into too much of the particulars, you know, I, I try to let you guys into as much, get as much of an inside look as possible without really crossing a line, you know, and uh, there, I, all I can say is things got really real in there and, and guys stepped up and it was, a, I'll say this, Darius Miles stepped up in a big way and, and really led in a way I hadn't seen before. I mean, he's one of my favorite teammates, but to see him step up and lead was really, really cool. And, um, you know, the good news is, it wasn't like we went into it like we have to reinvent the wheel here, right? We we were already doing some things well, and, and at this point, we're already much farther along than we were at this time last year. I think people forget that. They look at the finished product of last year, and they don't remember. We started the year four and three. We started struggling, and so we were committed to get into, off to a better start this year, and so obviously losing a game like that was very disappointing, um, and it, is something that we talked about and, and talked about, you know, what do we really want to do this year and, and how do we, what things do we need to change in order to accomplish that? And so I think it was, it was great. There was a lot of honesty in there and I think there's a lot of vulnerability. And uh, I'll say this, I think we're better on the other side of that meeting. And, and I think you see it with the results of the last two games. That's really encouraging to hear and very uplifting. And I appreciate you taking us kind of behind the curtain, giving us a little peek there. Um, obviously, you know, what happens in your locker room and what happens in your player meetings and your group chat stays there. But we appreciate you uh, giving us that opportunity to kind of kind of listen in 
on that. And as we talked about on the week three of Mean Streets podcast, it's, you know, going up against in a game like that, it was no sleepwalk, right? Iona is not some random small college from New York. It is on paper, but they've got a really good basketball team. They've got a really good coach. And Rick Pitino showed that, you know, last week on last week's episode, we talked about how, you know, he's such a great coach and he would, he took timely timeouts and he wouldn't let Alabama get on runs and he would, you know, do certain things to where it kind of was a little bit of a headache. Um, And so that was just a quality basketball game. Although there were parts and pieces that people might say, Oh, we could do this better. We could do that better. My takeaway from the, the loss was that there are always things that could go one way or the other, and that's just life. That's just basketball. And you're not going to walk in the gym and shoot 100% from all over the floor all the time, right? Things are going to go wrong. Things aren't going to go your way. And I think the attitude um, and staying in the game till the, till the bitter end there was, was really admirable. Um, but jumping into Sunday, so you talked a little bit about the three. You talked about the karate kid pose. Uh, we were talking right before we started recording, and you were saying that John Mechie obviously hit that pose Saturday and the Auburn player and all that stuff. But you tagged, did you tag him on your Instagram post or did you comment? What was the what was the deal there? Yes, I, I posted on Instagram not to you know try to boost myself up that much. I'm not trying to try to give myself any extra clout here by doing that. But uh um and I I used the exact caption Mechie used after the game. So my first post was the picture of me doing the karate kid pose. And so that just tagged him under it. And uh you know he commented, I think it was like a karate suit emoji or whatever. And uh it was just funny because like I think everybody there are probably as many people that liked Mechie comedy or notice that than my post in general i mean he, the dude had like 70 comments on a you know or 70 likes on the comments that was just unbelievable but yeah, it was really cool to see you know one thing i love about alabama that kind of sets it apart from a lot of different places is that uh you know we really all support each other and you know the championship school mindset is not fake it's a real thing of you know we all want to support each other and we all want the best for each other and so um like i'm sure a lot of y'all saw the video of our team celebrating the the end of the iron bowl and that that was real emotion that was real uh just cheering for our, our friends that played football and you know just cheering for the school itself and so there's a lot of pride and performance across the athletic department so it's really fun to um support them and it's really cool to see them support us back and all that support will be evident and it'll be on full display Saturday. Football, basketball, both taken on top five. Really, it was number one up until the last AP hoops rankings when Gonzaga dropped to number three. Um, but a fantastic lineup this weekend. Men's basketball, Gonzaga, football in the SEC championship versus number one Georgia. And that spirit that you kind of alluded to there will be alive and well. Um, throughout Tuscaloosa, throughout the state, and certainly throughout the Southeast as football's in Atlanta. And as you said, y'all are headed to Gonzaga tomorrow. So, Britton, talk a little bit about Gonzaga. Uh, this is one of the best teams, I think, that Alabama will play under Nate Oates to date. Certainly, that's probably the case. Um, but what has preparation been like? What are you looking for in this Gonzaga game? And what's the most important part for the team headed up to Seattle this week? Yeah, I mean, this Gonzaga team's incredible. Uh, and it's going to be a, a great challenge for us and a great opportunity to kind of measure ourselves up against the best. Uh, I know they 
they lost to Duke in a, in a very hard fought game this past week, but I still consider them kind of the best team in the country, the standard uh, to which other teams are compared. And so this will be a great opportunity to see really where we're at. And, um, you know, I'm really excited for the matchup. They have some outstanding players. I mean, Drew Timmy, Chet Holmgren are unbelievable. I mean, they also have guys like Andrew Nimhard, who is just very, very solid. Andrew Nimhard being a guy that played in Florida for a couple of years. I think a lot of Alabama fans will remember him. And he's grown and gotten so much better in his time at Gonzaga. So um, they just really have a phenomenal team, and, and they play so well together. I think that's what stands out about them. Yes, they have phenomenal players, but the way the guys cut off ball, the way they kind of have a great feel for each other, it's almost like they've been playing together for 10 years, and, and they're guys that are in there for their first year. And so it's just really crazy to see. Um, so, yeah, it'll be a phenomenal challenge. I'm, I'm so excited. Uh, I've never been in the Pacific Northwest at all in my life. So that would also be just like a really cool kind of tidbit from the game to get kind of see Seattle. And uh, I've heard that it's just a, a very, very beautiful city. And so I'm really excited to see that. And uh, then when it comes to game time, I, you know, I'll, I'll be so excited to, to take part in this game and um, hopefully help my team win in any way possible. Has, uh, has Greg Burns said anything to y'all? Because he, I think, I was doing some research last year during the Final Four. You know, he played with Mark Few. I think that's the case uh, in high school. Has he said anything to y'all about this game or this trip? I haven't talked to him about it. I'm sure he is uh, beyond busy right now. Just between all the planning he's probably having to do. Uh, I'm sure he was wanting to be here, but I think he also probably saw the date on the schedule and recognized that the SEC championship is that day. And, and that's a nice, I mean, that's an annual holiday for Alabama fans to watch their tide play. Um, you know, it's my fourth year here at Alabama. I think we will now go to Bryant Denny East for the third year out of four. Um, so not too shabby, not too shabby. No, not at all. I'm really excited about that. And it's just going to be back to back. I think kickoff is at three 30 central and then tip off is at seven o'clock. So it's just going to line up perfectly. Um, spend all of Saturday afternoon and Saturday evening on the couch. This is week four of the Mean Streets podcast, and we're going to send it over to our interview, our exclusive interview with the one, the only Mark Jennings. Uh, he will join us now. The esteemed one and only Mark Jennings joins us now on the Full Moon Barbecue hotline of the Mean Streets podcast. He, of course, is the former minority owner in the Birmingham Iron. He's a Dippin' Dots extraordinaire. And as we all know him, he's the best in the business. Mark, welcome back. I'm glad you're alive. Glad you're doing well. Thank you for joining the Mean Streets podcast. Bill, I got to say, it is an honor and a pleasure to be on your podcast this evening. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not. Drew and I haven't done a podcast in a while. He's been a little lackadaisical in getting that done. So I'm just glad I can come on to your podcast and really share my knowledge and expertise with your hundreds of thousands of listeners. Thank you. Thank you so much. There are millions of us here, and there are always just millions inside Coleman Coliseum to watch this Alabama basketball team, which we want to ask you about. Um, and, and we'll get to some questions for you and for Britain here shortly. Uh, but, Mark, kind of bring us up to speed on what you've been doing, because a lot of people are wondering, 
Um, as a former minority owner of the Birmingham Iron, uh, what's your role? What's your what's your play in the Birmingham Squadron and uh, even the Birmingham Stallions? Are you are you dabbling in football and basketball in the greater Birmingham area? Well, I can't. Uh, my attorney, uh, Mr. Shannara, has informed me I can't talk too much about the uh, the Birmingham Stallions football team. I will say though that I, I upon my exit from the Birmingham Iron. I uh, signed a non-compete clause, and uh, I'll just say that's going to be expiring very soon, and I'm going to have a uh, pretty significant role uh, with the Stallions. As for the squadron, you know, I really spearheaded the effort to bring a minor league basketball team to Birmingham. I think Birmingham is a perfect fit, uh, especially with the New Orleans Pel- Pelicans and, uh, you know, Herb Jones and, and, and John Petty and Kyra Lewis, all in that part of the organization. I thought it was a natural fit for them. So I'm just glad I could bring them to Birmingham and bring some more, uh, some more entertainment, some more sports entertainment to the, uh, the good people of Central Alabama, Bill. Well, we're very excited, and there's going to be some good basketball and some good football. And thank you, you know, for all your work and all you do, uh, being the best in the business, to make that happen for the great people of Birmingham. As, as we continue to catch up here, Mark, uh, dip and dot sales. Uh, how, how did those go in Bryant-Denny this year, and what are your profits looking like? What are your margins? Uh, well, I don't want to get too much into my financial. I'll just say we're doing very well. Yeah, I believe we sold about uh, – we're averaging about 150,000 dipping dot sales every game in Tuscaloosa. Uh, at other campuses across the state, we're probably getting a total of about 250,000 out of those. So we're really making a lot of money. Luckily, I have my underground uh, connection to dipping dots, so I'm not paying the price that other dipping dots owners or payers are paying. And plus, you know, we have our specials that we uh, upcharge a little bit every week. And, uh, man, it's going great. We had some, a, a few uh, problems last year coming out of the virus. And all that was going into that. And, uh, but now we really got as well old machine drew. I'm tanking it over and I'm, uh, I'm considering getting into other ventures uh, related to dipping dots, um, maybe some ice cream sandwiches or something. I don't know. I got, I got to brainstorm a bit with my executive team, uh, Yorgo. Um, and we're going to see where we, where we go from there. But for now, I'm, I'm living life pretty large. And uh, while we're here, I just want to go ahead and announce I've, I, I've signed an NIL deal with one of the stars of the Al basketball, Alabama basketball team. But I don't want to take that away from, uh, from him. I'll let him go ahead and announce it. Yeah, I couldn't be more excited about um, the opportunity that we have here with uh, this NIL deal. And um, so, yeah, the, the agreement I've reached with Mark Jennings is I get um, a million dollars per three-pointer. Now, the problem is I haven't signed on the dotted line yet. And so we're in a bit of a dispute right now as to whether or not my three-pointer on Sunday counts for that million dollars. Of course, I would like my money, uh, whereas he, on the other hand, is being a little bit stingy despite all of his success in the field of dip and dots. So um, we're going to be in a little bit of a dispute over that, but overall could not be more excited about this agreement. Well, if your dumbass would have signed it already, you'd have had that million dollars. But I'm not, I'm not Alexander Shinora. I'm not an expert legalist. But if you can't sign a contract, you don't get the money. But here you go. Here on out, moving forward, as soon as you sign the dotted line, you get a million dollars. And really, it's the least I could do. I know, Britain, you grew up in a very underserved community. Uh, you had your struggles growing up. 
Uh, you, you basically growing up in Mountain Brook, you're either going to be homeless or close to homeless. And for someone like you, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to maybe give you some money that can really not only change yourself, but really change your entire family tree. And that's what we, as part of the Mark Jennings Dippin' Dots family, are proud of. And we're proud of because you had so many obstacles to overcome growing up. And uh, look at you now. You're doing so great. And uh, we are so proud of you. And you hope that one day, uh, if you ever become a Dippin' Dots magnet, you can give uh, you can give money back to someone else who had the same types of struggles that you did growing up. No doubt, I'm just I'm just blessed to be in a position to to be somebody's charity case, and and all of the hard work I put in to to be in this position. You know, like you said, so many obstacles to overcome. Um, you know, I I had to work every single day to get where I'm at, and, and no one would ever give this to me. There's you know. It's not like there's like a hundred kids from my grade that go to the school or anything. I mean, it's, it's just a rare opportunity for me to uh, be in this position. And so I'm, I'm incredibly blessed and fortunate to be, uh, to be in this position now. So. I remember Britton when you were just a young 12, 13 year old basketball player uh, playing in middle school, you're real scrawny. What's been really impressed to me is how your game has developed and all the skills that you've, you've gained over the past six, seven years. And I really like the way you transformed your body, and you're much more physical now. You're a lot stronger than you were then. You've really filled out. So I just want to congratulate you on the way that you're, you're, the way your body looks now out on the floor. It's really hard not to notice the transformations that you've made in your figure. Hey, absolutely. I, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, all credit for, for my body goes to uh, Coach Snow. And, and just the work he's put in uh, with me over the last few years and trying to, to get me to put on weight. And, 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 but, you know, I'm just impressed with how you've noticed that, you know, and how you really remember all those uh, years that I struggled through seventh and eighth grade basketball. So I'm really grateful to have such a legend like you uh, really follow my career like this. Britton, why don't you walk us through what your, what your workout regimen looks like? Can you do that for us? Because there are a lot of people listening who like to know what you do. You know, it, it depends on the day, but um, what we do is uh, we try to get a little bit of each each uh, each part of the body worked out a little bit. So, you know, we start with we do some upper, some lower um, and then end every every workout with a protein shake. So uh, that's the process That's you know, I graduated high school at 165. Um, I'm sitting at about 190 right now. And so. Um, that's all to do with with really just the work we put in in the weight room. Britain, you know, when you I, work, uh, Mark, I, I was going to say, let me say real fast. I think Britton uh, is is really coming on to start look like to look like Tom. He's really been working out, working hard, and one day um, his physique might look like Tom's. Hey, hey, t- uh, quick question here for you, Mark. I mean, a, a couple of years ago, uh, Britton, who probably looked a lot like a, a former Alabama basketball player uh, in the, in the early nineties, Brian Pasick, of course, uh, your good friend and, and our good friend of the podcast here. Um, he, you compared Britain just, just a few short years ago to, to Brian Pasick. Is, is there any change in that? Is there any consistency? Do you still see some of Brian and Britain? What's your, what's your up-to-date comparison of uh, Britain to a current uh-huh. or former player? No, I still think Britain to Brian Passing really holds. Uh, you know, they both had similar upbringings coming up out of a lot. Uh, they got the similar similar shot. You know, I helped Brian Passing when he was in high school uh, with his footwork on his jump shot. 
he was struggling with that. And now when he shot the ball, he, that's when he became a big-time player, a uh, similar type of player that Britton Johnson is. So, uh, I'm so I'm, I, I, I'm proud of myself for that comparison. I made that a few years ago. I think that's exactly correct. And and let me ask you, too, because we've got some new players. And, and since it's been a couple – a while since your last podcast um, – with the esteemed Drew Champlin, we want to ask you about a couple guys on the current Alabama team because Alabama's got some guys that are some key contributors in and out of the starting lineup. Um, but we want to get your analysis and your breakdown on on what you think about guys like Charles Bediaco and Noah Gurley uh, because they've made a positive contribution so far this season for the Tide. Absolutely. I'd be glad to do that. Uh, Noah Gurley transfer from Furman uh, helped him get set there. Frankly, I thought he could go to a little better school, but uh, he was happy being a paladin, and uh, I'm glad he now transferred out to a bigger Power Five school. Uh, coming out of high school, Noah Gurley reminded me a lot of a player that you guys probably don't remember, uh, maybe a little before your time, but a guy by the name of Rick Barry. Y'all remember Rick Barry? No, no, Mark. Is that is that the dad of NBA Slam Dunk champion Brent Barry? That's correct, Britton. I'm impressed you remember that. Uh, and really, one of my favorite all-star dunk competitions was the one that he won. Uh, but I, I'm a big Brent Berry fan. I've known that family going way back. I've been close to the Berries. And uh, that's an excellent memory there, Britton. Uh, but, yeah, that is the same family, in fact. Yeah, I think Early shoots the ball really well from outside, almost as well as Britton does. Uh, Britton, of course, the sharpshooter, one of the best shooters in the history of the state of Alabama, but he's too humble to tell you that, so I'll tell it to you here on the Mean Streets podcast. Um, and another guy that's made a positive contribution from way up in the rafters has been the seven-footer uh, from the Great White North, Charles Bediaco. We've talked a lot about him on this podcast, Mark. Charles Bediaco is a great player. As soon as I saw him step on the floor, he reminded me of another uh, international player. By that, I mean not one from the United States. Uh, you might know him. I think he's been in the news a lot recently. And I think he changed his name, but he goes by Enos Cantor Freedom. You guys remember Enos Cantor Freedom? Yeah. Is that the same Enos Cantor Freedom that's the son of the medical doctor in Zurich, Switzerland, Met Cantor? Is that him? That's true. No, they are not Swiss by nature. Uh, by by uh, by nature, they're not from there. I believe they're Turkish or something. Uh, but I actually helped uh, Dr. Canner when he wanted to leave Turkey, set up his practice in Zurich, uh, city I'm all too familiar with. So uh, I, I'm just glad for that whole family. Uh, Enos Cantor Freedoms now is Enos Cantor Freedom now. It's no longer Enos Cantor. They've been through a lot, and I'm so happy for him. And, uh, and I'm happy for Charles Bidiaco. He's had a great start to the year. And uh, as soon as you step on the floor, as soon as you, you know, think about Enos Cantor Freedom, they're basically the exact same player. I would have to agree 100%. And as Alabama goes up to Gonzaga this weekend, Mark, uh, they're going to be closer to a lot of these Canadian guys' hometowns than people like Britain from the mean streets of Mountain Brook and, uh, you know, players from here in the main uh, 48 and 50 great United States. So what are your thoughts on Alabama going up to almost out of the country to play a game this weekend? Well, I think it's a brilliant recruiting move. Uh, you certainly want to be, or be able, you know, play games closer to where uh, you're recruiting from. And, you know, uh, Alabama recruits a lot of Canada, a lot of that Toronto area. And it's, it's, anybody that reads a map knows once you go up, you're a lot closer to Toronto. Uh, so Seattle's a lot closer to Toronto than Tuscaloosa is. So it makes a lot of sense 
for uh, Alabama to play games up there. It's going to be a tough game for them. Gonzaga's looked pretty good. Uh, I know they lost to Duke and struggled against some team I've never heard of the other day a little bit. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a struggle for Alabama, but they definitely got a shot to win. I agree. I mean, we talked about it a little bit earlier on the podcast, but there's a lot to go into this game. But Mark, I want to ask you, did you help as, you know, you're your bilingual, trilingual, you know, a lot of worldly languages. Did you help a lot of these Alabama basketball players, including Britain, uh, learn the Canadian French language? Well, I'm not sure I helped Britain and them very much. I did help the Canadians coming in who didn't understand English very well. So I definitely made a point to help them out. Uh, provide all services to kid. Of course, this was all in the up and up. This is before they got enrolled. But I was happy to provide some tutoring for them. Um, I have a little tutoring service on the side in different languages. That's that's not a big money maker for me, so I don't talk about it very much. But uh, I was just glad to help as any way I can for these players coming in. It's going to be a struggle. And, you know, imagine going into your first day of college and how nervous you are. And now imagine going in there and not be able to understand what the professor's saying. So, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to be tough. Britain um, – you're with these guys. Uh, do you have a problem with the language barrier with, with guys like Charles Bidiaco and, and all these other players who are not from our country? Yeah, you know, it's a little reminiscent of when uh, Tua originally came into the Alabama program. And so really just that, that language barrier was something we had to really overcome as a program. Um, over time, we've done it, obviously, with the help of Mark Jennings. I mean, goodness gracious. I don't know where we'd be as a program today. You know, talk is so important in the sport of basketball. And so when all you hear is we from your teammates, it's just, I mean, you don't know what to do with that. Uh, when I hear a bunch of things that I just don't understand it. So uh, all of Mark's work has, has really been very fruitful in this program and has helped us uh, really grow closer together as we've begun to understand each other more. Britton, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough game for you guys up there in Gonzaga. One thing I've noticed when I'm watching your team is how, how much Tyler Barnes has really come on recently. And you watch him play. He only gets to play at the end of the game. But the way he plays and the skill level he showed, it's not dissimilar to a guy like Lawson Schaefer. You watch him play, he said, that guy should be getting major minutes. Instead, he is stuck playing at the end of the game with guys maybe aren't as talented. Um, why is it that you think that Tyler Barnes is stuck at the end of the game playing with guys who aren't very good and aren't very talented up 35 when they quote-unquote empty the bench? Why do you think he's stuck there, and why is he not able to play with, with actually good players? Yeah, you know, Tyler obviously is one of the most talented players we have in this program. Um, and so I really, you know, I'm not going to be one that talks down on Coach Oath and whatever, but some could say that, you know, he's really screwing Tyler out of the limelight by putting him in with the scrub really at the end of the game. I feel like I see him going with another guy that just is so inferior to him every time he goes in. and so. Um, it really hurts his image because he is such an elite player to be on draft boards right now. And uh, that's really being hurt by the fact that he is just being paired up with this loser. Yeah. Well, it's not uh, just, it's not just one, but uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a a college basketball coach that uh, Nate Oates is by, by any means, but there are a lot of people who have mentioned that maybe the Iona game would have gone a little bit differently if Tyler Barnes would have gotten 37 minutes in that game. And I think that's what, what a lot of people – I'm not going to say who these people are, but a lot of people are saying that. So I'll just leave that at that, and I'll let you all go ahead and, and, and continue with whatever questions you got. 
Yeah, he's uh no Tyler's a guy that you have obviously in the past compared to an older Darius Miles, Mark. And and Darius Miles is also a guy that's come on. Uh we've talked a lot about Charles Bediaka, we've talked about Tyler, but Mark, who else has really stood out to you on this team? Um, because I know you talked a lot about with your former podcast partner Drew about uh JD Davison when he was about to commit to the Crimson Tide. What have you been your thoughts on JD's play so far uh, as he's adjusted to his freshman year in Tuscaloosa? Well, the first thing that jumps off to you about J.D. Davidson is his hair. Uh, I, that thing that thing is coiffed. That's some good-looking hair. I'm jealous. I wish I had hair that was that good. Second thing is his athleticism and his uh, the, the dynamic way he goes to the goal and his speed. Uh, originally, I compared him, and I stick with this comparison, to a guy named Glenn Rivers. You guys remember Glenn Rivers? Is that the father of, um, of the great Austin Rivers known for his high school mixtape? That's correct. A lot of people know him as Doc Rivers, but I only call people by their Christian name. So it's Glenn Rivers, uh, fantastic player, played college at Temple under the great John Chaney. He's uh, not even a doctor. Yeah, I don't understand. It's like, yeah, I don't understand how he got that name either. But I'm not. That's why I go by his Christian name, Glenn, because that doesn't make any sense. Like if I called Enos Cantor's Freedom's dad Doc, that'd be understandable, but not a uh, Freedom. Not Glenn Rivers. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. So uh, I, uh, you know. Uh, the way I watched Jenny Davidson play reminds me a lot of Glenn Rivers, the way he was able to explode to the basket and his speed. And uh, Glenn Rivers had a very successful NBA career, long-time NBA career, mostly with the Atlanta Hawks. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if J.D. Davidson has had the same type of similar career. Well, Mark, due to my um, lack of wealth, unlike you, I mean, of course, you make a million dollars every other week. Um, my Zoom is about to kick me out. And so I've got to let you go here, but uh, I want to give you any chance for, for a last word um, as we wrap up time here on the Mean Streets podcast. No, I understand, Bill. I understand both of you guys grew up pretty uh, pretty tough upbringings. And the last thing I would want for you guys to pray for a premium Zoom force, Zoom force you could use that money to pay for food for your family. So uh, I'm just so glad and honored you guys have me on your podcast. Uh, it was a pleasure being on. And, guys, I hope we get to do it again real soon. Man, what a conversation. I'm so glad he's doing well. Always great to talk with the best in the business. I had some dipping Dots this afternoon to prepare for this interview, and it was so good to talk to Mark Britton. I hope you enjoyed that as well. Absolutely. I mean, you can always learn something from uh, one of the greats. And so uh, it doesn't matter the industry. Whenever you're in the presence of someone who is just one of the best in their field, you always feel like you can learn something. So I really feel like I picked up some very important tidbits on how I can better lead my life through just this incredibly impactful interview. Really, we really appreciate that. And it's time now to move on in week four of the Mean Streets podcast presented by Full Moon Barbecue. We're going to get to what we started last week, Britain, with football and hot takes. We talked early on before the interview with the best in the business. You and I talked about a little bit about the SEC championship coming up. We mentioned the Iron Bowl. Um, and you mentioned kind of the reaction as well that y'all had watching that game down in Orlando, but I'll let you go first. Just, just have at it on the iron bowl, because I mean, that was one for the ages, obviously as an Alabama fan, it tops the kick six. Yeah. I mean, I think in terms of, I was trying to think through it and, you know, one thing I'll start with is saying people around the country that are bashing Alabama for that game do not understand the iron bowl. They just don't. People that are saying Alabama should drop in the rankings because of that do not understand how hard it is to win in uh, Jordan Hare, the cow pasture. Um, and, and 
So, you know, for me, I think in terms of pure elation from a game, I think only maybe Tua's throw in, in the Tua-Georgia game stacks up with that. I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, the defense played the game of the year to date. Um, they just played out of their minds all game. It reminded me so much of, of mid-2010s Alabama's defense. Um you know, when you had Kirby Smart and Jeremy Fruit running the show and, and just hard-hitting, you couldn't get anything in between the tackles. Uh, and they just had playmakers all over the field. So props to all those guys. They played an unbelievable game. And then offense stepped up when they needed to. Bryce had his Heisman moment um, in that 97-yard drive in the last minute and a half of, the, of regulation. And, um, you know, I just – I'm so proud of that football team, man. I, I, I leave that game saying that is – a team I love to root for where um, I think a lot of fans have been saying the opposite of that at different points throughout the year, but you can't look at that game and, and tell me anything other than that team really cares. And, and that team really gets what it means to win that game. Um, so just what a phenomenal effort from those guys um, could not be happier about the win. And, and I'll tell you what, I don't, I, I could look like an idiot in a week for saying this, but it's really given me a quiet confidence about the game coming up on Saturday for them. I, 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 I'm starting to really believe they're going to win that game. And, and where they're set up for everyone saying not only will they lose, but it won't be close. I really think um, if our defense plays the way it, does, it did this past weekend, they will cause Georgia's offense all kinds of fit. And I just believe we can put enough points on the board to, to win a game like that. And, uh, and so I, Look, man, I'm kind of I'm kind of believing that we're going to win this game on Saturday and, and setting up for the possibility of one of the greatest days in Alabama athletics history. I agree wholeheartedly, and I think we talked about this last week or two weeks ago that Georgia is not it's not David versus Goliath, right? Georgia's number one. Alabama's going into a game like this being number one. I mean, I think back to last year against Florida and kind of the boat race that that game was. Um, but Alabama's been in the SEC championship. They've been in the SEC championship more recently than Georgia has. And this is a really good Alabama team. Georgia is just as scared, if not more scared, to play Alabama than Alabama fans are of Georgia. And I'm just so sick and tired of people counting out this game and saying it doesn't matter. And, no, you know, what if we lose? Do we still get in the playoff? That doesn't even matter. Like I've been saying for two or three weeks now, do you think Saban turns on ESPN to see what the college football playoff ranking is for Alabama? Absolutely not. Every Tuesday night, he doesn't care because what's he trying to do? He's trying to win. And if he wins out, it doesn't matter because if he wins, Alabama's going to go to the playoff. And I think the the sickening mindset of Alabama fans saying, well, you know, I, I, we can we can lose, but can we still get in? No. Alabama's not playing to lose. Alabama's playing to win. All their players are playing to win. If they can pull out that out of Jordan Hare and everything that's gone wrong in the last decade in that stadium, if Alabama can pull that out without Jamison Williams, without, you know, just not playing the game that they were used to be playing, like they can, they've been on the big stage. They can do, they can play a better game against Georgia. They can play in a familiar place. They can play on a, on a similar scene. Um, I'm just so tired of people counting this game out. And like you said, it's it's panning up to be one of the biggest games for Alabama. And I don't know if you have any more comments about, you know, the Crimson Tide football and the gridiron or any hot takes. But I want to ask you, too, real quickly uh, about Brian Kelly coming to LSU. What were your thoughts on that? Because we've spent a lot of time in Louisiana. 
Um, LSU's given Alabama one fit in the last decade, but this is a big hire, and he's getting big-time money to come down there from a school where he had no success against successful teams like Alabama. Well, I'll start with uh, not Brian Kelly, but Lincoln Riley. Um, I don't know that I've seen a more boss move in my life, and, and we could because that was one. The man was honest. They, they started going down this path of, you know, I've heard a lot of rumors. He goes, hold up. I will not be the next head coach of LSU. Next question. He never lied. The next day he was on a plane to L.A. taking the, the USC job. Um, what an unbelievable turn of events. Uh, Oklahoma seems to be kind of falling apart now. Not really – to yeah, it's not like it's really their fault. It's more so that he's stealing all the Oklahoma recruits and getting them to USC. And so that'll be a really interesting development over the next few years. Um, and then Brian Kelly, I mean, I'll say this. I, I'm not going to discount him as a coach at all. I think he's actually a very good coach um, to put Notre Dame in the position he has, especially considering the that prior to him, they did not have nearly that level of success. So he um, – I think he put Notre Dame in a position to succeed in a lot of different years. Uh, I'll say this. Am I scared of Brian Kelly? No. Uh, Absolutely not, not. What's he done against Alabama to warrant any type of threat? No, nothing. Absolutely nothing. And so I don't know that that's going to necessarily make me – like if Lincoln Riley went to LSU, I wouldn't – and if Lincoln Riley didn't succeed against Alabama, I wouldn't necessarily be afraid, but I'd be like, okay, I'm going to keep an eye on that that – that could be a real development. And that's not so that Brian Kelly can't. I mean, the last three coaches who have coached at LSU have won a national title. Um, obviously, they're one of probably – that's probably one of the five best jobs in college football without really, you know, going through a list and, and making one. Um, it is a great job. Uh, it, it, LSU is a great environment, which is why it's so great to go in there and make it our home away from home and beat them every other year. Um, and like you said, I mean – for as much as LSU fans talk about how how much they expect from from their coaches, I mean, one win in the last decade against Alabama, uh, I don't think that's, that's, that's what that's, they want. That's nothing to brag about, and absolutely nothing to brag about. Um, do, you, do you have any hot takes for the week? We got to jump into our mailbag question here in a second. But do you have any hot takes for this week four episode? Um. I think, you know, like I said earlier, I, I just I'm a believer that the Alabama is going to win this game. And and look, you know, in a week, if I'm wrong, you can pull the receipts, whatever. I, I'll be wrong. And I'll, I'll take that. I, I'm a very optimistic person and uh, I'm a big fan of Alabama football. So I'm a believer uh, that you just don't bet against Nick Saban. And you look at the last two times, which I think the astounding stat of this is. The last two times Alabama was an underdog. First of all, the last time they were an underdog was in 2015. So it's been six years. Um, that is insane. Unbelievable. Uh, and it was against Georgia at Georgia. So it was the week after they had lost to Ole Miss, I believe. And they go to Georgia. And I can I, I mean, I remember all the Georgia fans talking about when they got Alabama between the hedges, what they're going to do to them. And there was a, a hurricane going on. And we, we went 38 to 10. I mean, it wasn't close. It was just an absolute beatdown. And the touchdown they scored was a late big t- – I think it was a big run from Nick Chubb, but it was like garbage time. And so then you look at the one before that, 2009, Florida. 
So you, you think about the two last time, and then we won 32-13. So you look at the last two times we were underdogs. First of all, you have to track it back 12 years. Second of all, both dominant performances. Um, and I just say you don't bet against Nick Saban. You don't do it. Um, there's a story of the 2019. Uh, I, I don't know how well you remember this, but they go to Auburn that year. And they're 11 and 0, and they struggle mightily against this uh, against this Auburn team that really wasn't very good. And it took a, a, a last minute drive. Uh, I think it was about seven minute drive with Greg McElroy, uh to up church for for the win. And um, but you talked to the Alabama players about it, and they said. You know, not that they were looking past Auburn, but they realized over the course of the season, they had low-key been preparing for Florida the whole year. So they get to Florida week, and they're like, we've done all of these drills that we've been working on. We just didn't know what they were. And, and so who's to say that's not what we're doing with Georgia this year? Um, I will never doubt Nick Saban. And, you know, if they lose, they lose. But I believe, man, I believe. We, we call that trusting the process. That's that's Absolutely. how it's done in Tuscaloosa. Uh, Britton, we got to move on to our mailbag now before we wrap things up. This week's mailbag question on the Mean Trees podcast presented by Full Moon Barbecue comes from John Isaac Stafford. He asked, looking ahead to the next five to six games, so we're jumping back to, to basketball here. You know, we can talk football all, all day long. Uh, but the next five to six games, I, you know, top 25 opponents, great teams, like even uh, mid-major teams like Colorado State. How do you stay focused and kind of stay the course trying to succeed and maintain your level of condition, maintain your level of solid play uh, as this schedule just turns into a grind? What's the focus and how are you trying to keep it and how is the team trying to keep everything even keel? So I guess I have two answers to that. The first of which is what you just said earlier, trust the trust the process. You know, uh, we're trying, we don't play the scoreboard. We're trying to reach our fullest potential and be the best version of ourselves. Um, I think we saw a little bit of that in the Miami game. And a lot of times when you play it to your fullest potential, it shows up on the scoreboard. That's why the process works, right? Um, the second is really just take it one game at a time. Um, you know, when you get into... SEC play, you're going to play two games a week, every week. And so you don't really have any downtime. So we're really gearing up for that with this stretch. And obviously we're playing some fantastic competition. And I could not be more excited about that. But it's really just like, you can't even think about Houston right now because we're all focused on Gonzaga. And then when you get to next week, you can't even think about Memphis because we're all focused on Houston. And so um, that's really the thing. It's just taking it one at a time and then because if you get caught up and, oh, man, look at this golf that we're going now. we got five games. Like, what's the best version of our record in those games? I mean, that's a terrible way to look at things. It's We're trying to go 1-0 this week. And then if we do that, we're trying to go 1-0 next week. And then however many games we have the week after that. You know what I mean? So that's really the approach I think that we have and that we're looking to have going forward. Yeah, it's that's a great way to take it, you know, one step at a time. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Well, Alabama's a great team. This isn't necessarily by, you know, eating an elephant uh, necessarily saying one one game at a time, one bite at a time. But it is a tough schedule and Alabama hasn't seen anything like this um, in recent years and has not scheduled um, like this ever. So it's a great challenge and it's going to put you right where you need to be come tournament time. But I like that one day at a time, one game at a time mentality 
and process. Hey, as we wrap things up here on week four of the Mean Streets podcast presented by Full Moon Barbecue, we want to remind everybody to check out our merchandise store on www.bandwagonsports.com. Click Team Store and then click Mean Streets and buy your apparel. We've got hats, T-shirts, golf shirts, vests, and pullovers for men and women. We're very excited about that. Thank you to David Knight. That's www.bandwagonsports.com. Next time you're hungry or you need some barbecue, check out Full Moon Barbecue and follow us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Mean Streets Pod. We're going to have plenty of giveaways over the next couple of weeks. We've got lots of Full Moon Barbecue gift cards to give away. So be sure to follow us. You can win by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Mean Streets Pod. Britain, you've got some stickers as well in Tuscaloosa, I understand. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Got a lot. We got a lot of game day stickers. Hopefully, uh, please, I, I've got to get my my quarter of the stickers from you, uh, my assortment, but I, and I'll get those in due time. I'm excited to, to rep those, throw one on the car and things like that. Um, but we're also going to try and continue to do Twitter spaces. It's going to be tough on road games, but we're going to try and keep that up as best we can and maybe even schedule some, some midweek, um, Twitter spaces as well. Hey, one thing too, that it got a lot of comments and feedback was you doing the live, not the live, the Instagram stories, uh, from the road trip. So maybe we'll have some of that, um, at mean streets pod on Instagram for a kind of behind the scenes look on the trip to Seattle. We really yeah, appreciate you that. for that this week. Should so be, be sure to check us out on all those platforms, gift certificates, merchandise, stickers, all these things, courtesy of the mean streets podcast. This is week four of the mean streets podcast presented by full moon barbecue. I'm William Galloway, Britain. You've got the last word. Amen. Roll Tide, God bless, and find a great spot on your couch for this weekend because it'll be about 10 hours of Alabama sports that should be nothing short of electric.